Coucou tout le monde, you're listening to Le Bookworms Pod. I'm Helen. And I'm Miranda. This is the podcast that explores the diversity of the francophonie. One book at a time. And herein lay Proust's problem, because in his view, books could not make us aware of enough of the things we felt that might open our eyes, sensitize us, enhance our powers of perception, but at a certain point, they would stop, not by coincidence, not occasionally, not out of bad luck, but inevitably, by definition, for the stark and simple reason that the author wasn't us. Hey, Helen. Hey, Miranda, how are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I'm really excited to be back. I know. It's the whole day, or it was a while ago, but we are back at it (laughs) (laughs) and had a great summer break. We actually got to see each other at the very beginning of it, which was pretty exciting. Yes, we did. It was magical. So exciting. Reunited, and it feels so good. Um, But now we're back to the grind, the regular... It's so funny how we don't have kids, but your life still is sort of surrounded by the calendar of school and children. It really is, like, yeah. Even if <laughs> you don't have your own. I know. We do not We do not have a back-to-school voluntary, but yet I feel the pullback to our regular schedule. Absolutely. Yeah. So I'm really excited for what we have to talk about. Do you want to uh, tell the listeners what we're reading today? Yes, we're going to start this season four of the Bookworms Pod with How Proust Can Change Your Life by Alain de Buton. And uh, this was actually gifted to me by Miranda. Yeah, I was happy to lend it to you because it was actually something that I um, first heard about on a fantastic podcast called The Real Question with Vanessa Zoltan and Casper Turkile. It's a really great podcast to listen to it whenever they put out new episodes, but they use different texts and songs and things to uh, learn more about like a, an issue they're having in life. And one of the things that they uh, mentioned was this book. And I was like, oh, how Proust can change your life. I love that. I hate self-help, but love that. So uh, I read it and it sort of spurred, uh, well, what we're going to be doing for the next, you know, few months and probably years by reading Marcel Proust. You know, it's really great to start with like almost like a primer on yes. why we're doing it, why it's interesting, and someone sort of talking super casually and super like uh, accessibly about something that can sometimes be the opposite of that. So before we get into more uh, about the book, uh, what are you drinking today? Today I'm having a nice glass of red wine, the use from the south of France. What about you? I am having a Cremant de Loire um, because we were celebrating. My partner recently got a promotion. So Fun, congrats. Indeed, yeah, which I always love Cremant. And now he's... He's figured it out, and now he only gets Cremant. We don't even try for the champagne or Prosecco. Well, let's dive into the book itself. Since you were the one that found it, passed it on, and kind of launched this whole Proust journey odyssey, depends how long it takes, why don't you kick <laughs> this off? <laughs> I'd be happy to. Okay, so uh, 
basic recap is just um, Marcel Proust uh, wrote uh, a quarter, one and a quarter million words uh, mm-hmm. for book À la recherche de temps perdu, or in English, we often say In Search of Lost Time which is an incredible feat. And the fact is that Marcel Proust died very young. So it's an incredible achievement. And he was quite sick most of his life. So there's a lot of complexity to what he writes about. But in this book, How Proust Can Change Your Life, Alain de Botton talks about, you know, well, what was the point of this million and a quarter words? What is the point of this gigantic book? And he really sort of takes a very non-traditional approach. I wouldn't say it's a summary. It's sort of uh, different ways in which you can explore what Proust is trying to get you to think mm-hmm. about. It's a sort of philosophical take on things. And he brings in a lot of information about Proust's personal life and the book itself to understand meaning mm-hmm. in, a, in a really cool way. So it's difficult to describe in a 30-second recap uh, of a lot of our other books. But it's a fantastic book. I would say it skates the line between philosophy, self-help, sort of a biography of Proust, sort of an essay format. It's really unique. I think you hit the nail on the head there of it doesn't have a genre. Like you said, it's an essay, self-help, guide, and memoir all in one. But yeah, good job with your recap. It's definitely not easy. I actually have a quick question to start us off, because you gave us the title to Proust's work, and in How Proust Can Change Your Life, in the early pages, um, Alain de Bouton actually talks about the translation of this title, and I found it really fascinating as a way to kind of start the experience, because it immediately goes into that philosophical or reflective, maybe, uh, mindset. So the original English translation was actually Remembrance of Things Past. And Marcel Proust hated it. He hated this title. And he actually was never quite content with In Search of Lost Time either. So I wondered what you thought about the title change, because it wasn't until 1992 that they changed the English title to In Search of Lost Time in line with William Shakespeare's Sonnet Number 30. So what do you think? What, What did that do for you as... Because at least for me, I viewed my reading of How Proust Can Change Your Life, as you said, a primer or a precursor to get me in the yeah. the space to read Proust. So I definitely was thinking about this in the opening pages of Proust and as well this book. Yeah, so I mean, this is immediately reminding me of our conversation about... Uh, uh, the Stranger or L'Etranger with uh, yes. Camus because he th- that there's so much more complexity in the original um, French than the English even allows in some ways. Um, and this is where we get all nerdy and talk about how language is mm-hmm. like a form of expression and is not something that can be translated in every sense. But yeah, it really reminds me of like, you know, Mama et Mort is like the first like line of L'Etranger and it's not... It's not something that is easily translatable into English and you get the same kind of punch. Right. And so, à la recherche de temps perdu, like immediately, I think In Search of Lost Time is a way better translation than Remembrance of Things Past. I think that, mm-hmm. in fact, what I understand from the book of Alain de Botton was that the book is really about how like life moves quickly and you sort of end up 
it's it's all the time that matters and none of it right like all these little moments make up your life at least that's what i got from his reading of it so i think the à la recherche de temps perdu is interesting because how can you ever fully explain that in a different language like i i think there's just something a little bit lost in any translation am yeah. i being totally snobby <laughs> No, I don't think you are because I might take it to the next level of snobbiness for a second. Go for it. <laughs> which is, he brings up a really interesting point on passiveness and action. And so Proust is trying to give us this idea of action and memory and searching or the quest of memory as an action. Mm-hmm. And so remembrance is almost passive. It, it happens yes. without effort. Yeah. And I think what I got a lot from how Bruce can change your life is this active reflection and not to just read a book to read a book, which I often do. I can mm-hmm. knock out an easy beach read in three hours in the car and I love it. And you can ask mm-hmm. me about it the next week. And I'm like, yeah, I really enjoyed it. That's all I can say. It's like <laughs> actively engaged with the yeah. text. And I found myself the whole time underlining, annotating and reflecting. It wasn't just, Oh, that's interesting or making notes about Proust himself, but it was, how does this reach my life? Or, oh, that's an interesting way to approach love, to approach friendship, to approach memory. Like, I had never actually thought about yeah. the action of searching for lost time or searching for these memories yeah. and also the inaction of it. So sometimes it comes in just the simple fact of eating a madman, as uh, Proust <laughs> is so famous for. But, you know, it's one of those things that it definitely got me into the philosophical mood. It, it's interesting you brought up Camus because Camus, Simone de Beauvoir, Seth, those are also authors that have made me stop and actually become very philosophical while reading fiction. Yes. And so I'm getting already, they're not at all the same philosophies, but that active no. reading in a novel. So very interesting. Yeah, I love that. And now it's even making me go deeper. You're you're like looking into the, the action verbs kind of thing makes me think about the like importance of the, the word temps. And like in English, time obviously has several meanings, but in French, temps has tons of so meanings. Many. And so there's so much more in that translation, even if like obviously it's understood to be like time or lost time. But it's also like lost times, like of a time... F- like oh, like in a poke or almost. what's in a poke a, yeah exactly <laughs> how do we translate yeah. a poke um like an age or era, an era, era. Like, yes yeah but yeah exactly like I think that there's something there about like there's a time in your life there's a period of your it's just time in a different way so we're getting really into it but I love this first question to get us like pushed into it because yeah. it really goes into the thing I think that Malin de Ponton does well in this book is trying to tell you, like, this is a great book and Proust was a super weird person. And, like, yeah. those two things can hold themselves at the same time, which I thought was really cool because, I mean, Simone, Simone de Beauvoir, you mentioned her, like, she's one of those people where you read her and you almost feel like you know who she is. Mm-hmm. And she kind of was that person for all all that we know in in, in her public persona yes 
for sure. Right. She was totally like a, a logical extension of her writing. Marcel Proust is not at all. I mean, I think that one of the interesting things in the book uh, is Alain de Botton talks about um, the newspaper uh, question that, you know, if basically if yes. the world was ending, what would you do? And Marcel Proust gives this answer of... Well, we talked about it in our last episode, and it was, I would go to the right. Louvre, I would go to India, and I'd make love to a woman. All activities he would never do, like, and adamantly <laughs> didn't like. <laughs> he never really left Paris, except to go to, like, you know, an hour or two away within France. To get some uh, fresh air in the countryside, like the, the bourgeois that he was. <laughs> Right. I mean, he was just, and and he, yeah, he was not a huge fan of museums. Like he loved art and culture, but he also liked to stay in bed mostly. And he dedicated himself to the writing of this book. And he was like pretty bad in love, right? I mean, he died when he was in his 30s. So it's pretty incredible to see it from that perspective. I think it's just a hilarious like shift right? Like, I think it's the thing that keeps him from being a total philosopher. Like, philosophers sort of usually are a logical extension of themselves. Not always, though. Like, for now we're going down a rabbit hole, but I think that, like, Kierkegaard is a great example of someone who's not a logical extension. He talks a lot about, you know, existentialism, and yet he was, like, a devoutly religious person. So, I mean, there are definitely people who write on one hand and then sort of live their life in a different way. I don't know what we can learn from that, though, like that it's easier to philosophize about the importance of life rather than actually putting it into practice in your own life. Yeah, I think absolutely that is. It's always so much easier said than done, (laughs) for sure. Well, the other thing I found interesting about this book is the history you brought to it, because as someone who's never read Proust, it wasn't on any of my list. Yes, he is a very famous French author, but I don't think a lot of courses have time to even touch him, right? There's just not enough time yeah. in a semester to do that. But it was interesting, in this book, he referenced all of the well-known or famous authors that read In Search of Lost Time, for instance, Virginia Woolf, and she actually got writer's block. She's like, I don't know what is left to be written after this, and like, how can I write? Mm. And so that was an interesting, again, tidbit to learn going into this book of who else has read it and who else has thought of it. Or there was a Supreme Court justice from the United States who said everything that there is to know is in Proust. And so it's like Mm. these really big Mm. statements. And it blew my mind. And I remember texting you being like, what are we getting ourselves into? Because that's such a, those are some big prominent positions and people and you're questioning okay well what what is it about this book that keeps people coming back and i liked how he kind of in this book goes into some of the reasons while also leaving the door open he never says he agrees or disagrees he kind of just puts it out there because he lets the reader have their own journey which i really appreciated i also like that i think that he was sort of saying that there is a lot to get out of this but there's also so much complexity here and Mm -hmm. he's just sort of it's just I felt like he was just interested and he wanted to write about all this interesting stuff he wasn't given uh solutions which I kind of love like I don't want someone to tell me what the right answer is I want people to 
do the Socratic method sort of and just like question, <laughs> just yes. question and question and question. Because I do think that that's what will help us in reading Proust. Um, I remember very clearly, like we had a, a separate conversation one time about a book that we didn't enjoy, but was very unrelated to this podcast. We didn't enjoy, but was very popular. And, you know, the Socratic question that was asked was like, but why is it popular then? Like, yes. clearly these many people can't all be completely wrong and without taste. I mean, what is it about this book that held the moment of or the time, right? right. So I think that that's, that's also like a cool thing that Alain de Botton brings up is like, okay, well, maybe you don't agree, but then why do all these people feel this way? <laughs> like he's yeah. setting you up to really investigate, which I think is what we're supposed to be doing always, but certainly sounds like Proust is the, is fertile material. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I have to admit though, after reading this book, I was intimidated to start Proust. So I don't know if it actually mm. primed me well. I thought it would. And then I got scared kind of like Virginia Woolf. She couldn't write. And I was mm. scared to open the first page of in search of lost time. And I remember texting you and being like, I promise I'll start soon. I'm just getting really nervous. <laughs> and so it was yeah. kind of interesting, but it did because all of these questions come up in this very short, like you said, accessible, easy to read book. But it it made me nervous because I w- didn't know if I was going to be ready to understand Proust. Yeah. And that's mm-hmm. a question I think anyone can have or fear for any book you know maybe you read it in one way oh, yeah and someone else reads it in another and that's the beauty of art art is in the eye of the beholder you can read the same book and someone's talking about the third level up of this is a satire this is a commentary on a societal system and you're like i just got a really cute love story but <laughs> yeah well and i feel like we go through this all the time in our lives right like i love art and i actually don't mind modern art and my partner is not a fan of modern art and there is a a painting that's in our local gallery that is the bluest blue and it's it's sort of literally just a frame of blue but the idea is that the blue is not like something it doesn't look like any other blue that you would imagine it's not connected to like a tiffany blue or like a blue jays blue or like a there's no commercial representation of it and so it's this unique color like he thinks that that's total bullshit right (laughs) i think that that's really profound and interesting and i like love it and equally you know i was like so excited to see you guys and meet all of my or you know reconnect with everybody in france on our recent trip and of course for him the stakes were super high and he was very nervous because as soon as you know someone loves something or likes something or has even just any strong opinion about it you're they're waiting for your opinion they're waiting for your reaction to it right i mean mm-hmm. yeah i can i can only imagine that you know we were setting the book up to be something that <laughs> these incredible people who we have such respect for, Virginia Woolf is like a master. And like, what if we hate it? <laughs> what if we don't get that? Or what if we don't right? understand? <laughs> what if I'm not yes. smart enough? <laughs> it's also like a reflection of, you're right, it's these people that we respect or admire. And then there's the question in inwards of, <laughs> am I smart enough? Am I capable to get it? Why don't and I get I, it? Yeah. yeah, and maybe 
maybe it doesn't matter. I don't think we are obliged to like any piece of literature, and I don't think we're obliged no. to hate it and criticize it. So I am curious. I think this book does set it up to have that open-mindedness to it and to yeah. take the bits that you like and to leave the bits that you don't. Because I do think that's kind of what he's yes. asking us to do of how to be a better friend or how to be, you know, in love and all these things. And Proust isn't the master of it. He, like you said, was a no. hermit and liked to spend a lot of time inside. And as a fellow introvert, that's fine, but also doesn't make <laughs> me the expert on social affairs either <laughs> in parties. Yeah. So. No, I totally understand. I, I think that's completely accurate. And like, I think the other thing it's calling us to do is that anything that we look at in earnest and with anything we apply our efforts to is like worth our efforts <laughs> or like mm-hmm. is you know worthwhile like it's not about he talks about how proust is really obsessed with train times and he would often like go to sleep looking at like the train schedule and imagining what he would be doing going to this place or when he would arrive back if he were to go here or here and i mean in some ways it's like oh my gosh get a life just go right like right. experiencing it but there's another part of it that's like yeah, but we all do that, right? We imagine what our life would be like if we had that, like, those shoes that made us feel like the professional we are or the, like, you know, I don't know, even on a non-material way, like, planning trips makes me think, oh, that's so exciting. What about this happens? What if this happens? And what if I went to this other workplace? And what would my life be like in that way? And I think anything that you apply your concentration to and, like, your interest to you can learn something from yourself and from the thing itself by just mm-hmm. like spending time on it right yeah what also makes me think about several new releases that have come out with the same premise in terms of the lives that you didn't live or the choices you didn't make and i'm thinking uh, of a few yes. a few books that were released in the last few years that kind of have that same premise and they're not the same there, there's quite a few authors looking at this question right now, but it is the similar thing of if I had taken this train instead of this one, or if I, what mm-hmm. would my life be like if I would have not walked this way home? What that one day. And so there's yeah. always those questions that you can ask yourself or, or even others. Cause I think that other thing Bruce does really well is ask questions. I mean, he was famous for asking questions and getting people to answer them. That's another thing. Cause sometimes people don't like to answer intimate questions that Proust liked to pose. (laughs) Yeah, no, we, uh, well, we're we're thinking about something in particular, which is a a Proust questionnaire that was famous of all these questions that he would come to a dinner party to ask people to spur conversation. And we, when we were together in France, attempted to uh, ask these questions with our partners and both our partners had like visceral reactions not wanting to answer very reticent we did not have a worldly (laughs) salon in our salon it was two of us really pushing it and two people begrudgingly trying to not get in trouble (laughs) yes they were definitely like humoring us but um it was really interesting because you do think like some of those questions were really benign and just sort of like whatever and some of them were like pretty hard hitting Mm -hmm. (laughs) in a cool way so you wonder what kind of person he would have been to behold i mean he was just 
I don't know. He's, yeah, he's as he wears, like, what, two winter coats and sits at the table going, tell me yes. the worst memory of your entire life. And then following <laughs> it directly with, like, who would you like to eat dinner with if you could eat with anyone? You know, it's very, right. very interesting. But maybe that's why there's so much in these books uh, or in his book, uh, volumes of said book to 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 figure out because he I think he did listen and he was pulling from all these different mm-hmm. sources as he compiled it because from what I understand you know in search of lost time it's it's about society it's about the world and so you get all of these different perspectives and these different ideas and they have to come from somewhere yeah and I mean I, I think that's a really cool I didn't even think of it that way of like the things he learned from other people mm-hmm. and maybe that's why it feels so rich is because it's uh, all these different experiences, not a single, like it's certainly not his life and the no. way he lived his life. But I also think, again, it goes back to like, it's teaching us something about curiosity and what we can learn when we're curious, which just brings me back to school. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think to wrap up this episode and our primer of how Proust can change our lives before Proust actually changes our lives I want to go back to (laughs) what I read at the opening of this episode and ask you this question of what can we do with books? Because basically what the button gives us is that books can give us a lot and we can have all of these emotions and these feelings, but there's a comes time where there's something that's off or there's something that we are struggling with. And it's Mm -hmm. because we have to continue our thoughts alone. The book itself cannot be a guide. So what do you think going forward after reading How Bruce Can Change Your Life? What are you thinking going into it? What do you think is going to be different or unexpected? Or do you have fears and apprehension? Do you do you have any ideas of the future of Proust and how, how it will guide you? Well, yeah. I mean, I think that I what I loved about the quotation that you read was that it places a huge emphasis on what books can do, but it also brings us back to reality. I mean, I think Mm -hmm. that, and again, this is very philosophical and existential, but the reality is like life is lived, right? I mean, that is, it's not, it's not an imagination. It's, it's, it's every, every day that you make choices, you're living your life and, and that life becomes the life that you've lived over however many years, right? I mean, a choice to go and be broke in France and means that I found a best friend and, you know, staying in France means that your life has changed in, in dramatic ways and all of those choices and all those little things build up into a life. And so right. I'm really excited to read Proust through the lens of being inspired, but also look at my life through that lens. I think I do that, like I try to do that where I push myself to do things because life is short. Mm-hmm. Botton also talks about, you know, send the unsent letters and, you know, like say the unspoken words, like do do those things, right? Yeah. Like, go, th- go through that. And I, I really, I felt very like inspired. I am obviously nervous to <laughs> read and hopefully finish Proust but um it's it's very intimidating like just the size and the volume of it yes and it'll be the biggest thing I've read in French in a very long time so I'm nervous for that but like in terms of the philosophical aspect I think maybe I'm just in a really good time (laughs) in my life but like 
I, I'm excited. Yeah, I think that, like, I totally agree with that. You know, books are incredible, but they are the conductor of life, not life itself. Yeah. So not to bring the conversation down, but uh, <laughs> this did make me think of Harry Potter because we recently did a deep dive into Harry Potter with our personal friend group book club that we do. Mm-hmm. And so thinking of how books can guide us and mean so much to us, but there's always that something, you know, left unsaid or something we have to do on our own. I think Harry Potter did that for at least our group of friends and like our generation a bit. And it really made me think of that. There's so much that we can take away from those books because rereading it as the adults that we are now, instead of the nerdy little kids that we were, it was so amazing because it was that reflection of, I remember what this made me feel or how empowered I was or how I saw myself in the text and then to reread it and then to talk about it amongst friends. It was interesting to hear who we had related to and had that change or characters, what they meant and where we saw them end up from book one to book seven. And so it was kind of that thing that hit me when reading this is how Harry Potter was a guide from our life. And yet there was always something left unsaid because Mm. the world of magic and Hogwarts didn't exist in my world. And so I had to do something on my own. And so I don't know, it was like a It was a weird connection for me that I'm reading a book about Proust and how books can guide us. And that was what came to my mind was Harry Potter and Hermione and, you know, all these characters that do so much for you. But yeah, there's always the part where you have to look to yourself and say, okay, well, how am I going to be a Gryffindor today or a Ravenclaw or whatever we are, you know? Yes. (laughs) No, you're so right. I love that. I think that's a great great thing because it shows again like the imagination of when you're a kid but also like the real like it's you know Hermione was like a role model like she was like who you wanted to be it made you feel less bad about raising your hand first in class (laughs) (laughs) yes it did it was yeah I love that I think that's a very natural connection okay awesome well I'm really excited to start the Proust journey. And so our next episode will be our first Proust check-in of what will be, I'm sure, many Proust check-ins because this is a honker of a book. Mm-hmm. So feel free to read along with us it is. or just listen to it because you don't feel like reading and you'll get all that you need from our philosophical thoughts. And I don't know what else. They might not all be great. Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> At least, you know, it's, it's you know, got the Virginia Woolf stamp of approval. That means quite a lot from our our perspective. But yeah, we're super excited to get going. So uh, yeah, if you want to follow along, we're, we're excited. Yes, and you can always follow us on at the Bookworms Pod on Instagram or on our blog. Link is in the show notes as always. And we'll catch you next time. Bye, bientôt.